0: looking to psalms 30 chapter 30 34 jared stirred some chords in my life uh that that brought on the series of sermons and uh two weeks ago we we defined what verses one and two meant to our spiritual walk with god last sunday we reflected on the verse three and four that described and and, and what it does to our spiritual man that lives on the inside of us and today we're going to Look at 5, 6, and 7 as we take verse 8 as our text once again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an awesome series. I'm gonna, I've enjoyed it immensely. But we're going to go back and read all eight verses this morning as we begin our, our scripture. I'm going to stay close to the podium today. The closer I stay to the podium and the closer I stay to my notes, the closer that we, we dismiss on time. So if you're really for that, just say, Lord, help him. I'd like to begin with reading with verse 1 today from Psalms 34, and it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me of all of my fears. They looked to him and, and were radiant. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles The angel of the Lord encamps around about those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. I'd like to include this morning uh, verse 4 as we we break down verses 5, 6, and 7 today. It says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And then then it goes on to reflect, verse 5 reflects on what uh, verse 4 opened up to us. They looked to the Lord and their faces were radiant. the poor man cries out, and the Lord hears him and saves him and delivers him from all of his troubles. as we look at this tasting and see uh, that the Lord is good there's there's uh, something today that I want to I just continue to want to reflect on when cherry has some of the greatest sweetest chocolate candy that a gentleman that buys groceries for powerhouse kids graces our house so often with she doesn't put these chocolates in the in the cabinet she puts them right next to her lazy boy chair she has a secret hiding place knowing the battle that i have to keep my weight where it needs to be uh, every now and then she'll say you know those chocolates last time that uh our friend brought them. Were really good, but you've got to taste. This is I, they have never been as good as they taste. What she's saying, she said, uh, they're sweet, they're chocolate, they're good. But you'll never know the reality of what I'm talking about until you taste. And so many times in our spiritual life, we hear the same thing. We hear the testimonies of how good the Lord has been. We've we talked to people that have lost lost loved ones in the past. 30 days, we have uh, two or three families that are seated here this morning that have said goodbye to a close a loved one, a, a friend, or a, or a member of their family. And it's a time when we rely upon the Lord. Jesus said before he left this earth, he said, If I go away, I'll send the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and he'll guide you into all truth. We can talk about and reflect about how good it is. We can hear the testimonies of people that can tell us he was a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knew that I was trusting in him. And there are others who would say, "I was going to the valley of the shadow of death. I was on bottom. I couldn't see. I couldn't. I couldn't see the the bottom of the bucket because I was on the bottom. But Jesus reached down as I put my trust in Him. And Proverbs three, five, and six begin to roll in my spirit. and And I didn't realize how powerful it was until I tasted the Word of God. And tasting God's Word is simply taking it from the pages of of the Bible and applying it to our heart, and it works. We'll never know until we can hear other people we can hear the messages, we can hear the testimonies, we can hear the relative people that are relative to the scriptures, but you will never know how powerful God's word is until you've been to a place where you needed strength, you needed help, and you needed a friend. And when you taste of the scripture, then you realize what the psalmist was saying oh taste and see where was the psalmist when he was when when his face became radiant I, i reflected on this last sunday i'm going to do it again he was hiding in a misty cave running for his life saul was out to kill him he had come to be a blessing for saul in saul's troubled moments david would get the harp he was a great musician and he would play the harp and it would bring peace to saul's spirit and yet, because of jealousy, they would go out to battle together. And David was, was led by the Lord. God was preparing him to be king. He had came all the way from a shepherd boy into the palace to be the, the succeeding person that would follow King Saul. After they would go into, out to battle, God would have his blessings upon David because David wanted to please God. Out on, the, out on the backside of nowhere, when he was taking care of his father's sheep, he had a slingshot, and he was practicing how to, he could put that slingshot right on target. And little did he know, he would be the conqueror of Goliath, one of the Israelites' greatest king, greatest giants, and greatest enemies as they would go out to battle, Saul would never go without David by his side. And David had a spear, he had a javelin, and he fought the enemy just like Saul. But word got out David was being more successful than, than Saul. And word began to spread throughout the camp. And when they would come in from the battle, after winning great battles and defeating the enemy, which were, were many people that surrounded the children of Israel, the women would begin to sing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And words, just like they are today, can form wedges. They can form... A dreadful killing disease called jealousy it can cause division it can bring a family to odds it can bring relationships to to part it can it's one of the most horrible elements that the enemy uses against us, and that's jealousy, and this is what was happening to David. He had had to run from the man. He came to help. He had been to the battle with him. He had sat at the king's palace. He had sat at the table with the king that he honored, and it was doing everything he could to uplift Saul in his reign. And yet, because of jealousy in Saul's life, David is running for his life. But as he mag- as he realizes where he's at, in the misty cave, he's not the most popular person at this time. He's been warned, you better leave Dodge because your life is on the line. Even Jonathan, Saul's son, said, David, I, I didn't think my dad would ever do this. You're, you and I are best buds, and yet my dad's out to kill you. You need to run for your life. And running for, him, for his life, knowing that Saul's army was looking for him, turning over, up turning everything they could, trying to find David. David's in the cave, and here's the way he's reacting when the enemy's try to trying to take him out. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, I don't know about you, but I've noticed this. I just can't complain and praise at the same time. Have you let me just let me just confess from my life years this morning. I can't even find fault when I'm praising the Lord. All I can see is the beauty of Christ, and when, when you see the beauty of Christ, it brings out the good and not the bad. It causes you to reflect upon everybody and anybody, and those that may seem like they've gone the wrong direction, whose, whose morality may not, may not be what yours may be, and maybe they've fallen, and maybe they've had marriage failures, and maybe they're down financially to the point that they're needing financial help. God gives us the grace. He gives us the ability to reach out and love the unlovable. He gives us the strength to go places we'd never go. He even gives us the strength as Christians to look our spouse in the eye at many times and say, I'm so sorry. Would you find it in your heart one more time to forgive me? That's tasting of the goodness of God. You see, self is very selfish. The Bible even says a man is always right in his own eyes. Men... I'm not asking you to admit this. Just nod at me. Uh, there's three people that are nodding. Thank you for the, for the fourth nod. All right. Uh, don't go to sleep while you're nodding. Uh, boy, I, I, men, let me ask you, why is it so hard to look in the, into the face of the lady that took us for better, for worse, richer, for poor, sickness, and health, and say these words? I'm so sorry. Let me ask you this. Have you ever said it and you didn't mean it? I know I, I, I'm going to get back to my notes. I'm sorry. I heard one of them I say, "Yes, <laughs> uh-huh. yes." There's nothing like experiencing the blessings of the Lord, and you know uh, the blessings of the Lord are always available. We we can say the right thing, we can say the wrong thing. I've said the wrong thing way too many times, but I can tell you something. When I'm eating at the Lord's table, it becomes more, it, it becomes easier. It becomes, I become stronger on the inside. I can, I can handle temptation in a better way when jesus is lord of my life and i've been eating the word of god and when i've been meditating on the goodness of god and not not upon politics i can find myself relaxing and enjoying life and processing the things that really doesn't matter to me it's only when we taste and see that the lord is good david said i i sought the lord and he heard me you ever ever been in trouble and you thought this thought I wonder who would understand. Only if I could talk to someone that would understand. I know one who understands. He knows how honorary I've been growing up as a preacher's kid. He knew everything before I ever did it. He knew what I was going to do. He knew the thoughts and desires of my heart. You know what? He even looks right now upon all of us, and he knows what we're thinking. He knows our intentions. He knows what's ahead of us. And in spite of me, he still loves me. And I've never had a friend that loved me enough that he had put his life on the line and died between two thieves on a place called a cross on, on Golgotha's Hill to prove that I was lovable. David says he hears me. He hears the voice of humanity today. I don't know about you, but now and then I need friendly reminders. And yesterday... Was a or Friday was a great reminder, of of the love that God gives us for the Native American Indians. I hear this quite often. You know they they're just spoiled people. Blah blah blah. They you know they don't they they just have all they think about this and all they think about this and most of them wind up being this. But Friday was a day when the Lord touched my heart with love and compassion. And I thought about this. You know as I watched the meal. Most usually we don't have roasted beef and and the potatoes and carrots and all of the trimming and and it's the first time i ever went to a funeral and they had german chocolate cake they didn't have one they had 12 15 15 chocolate cake german chocolate you know the kind with the icing that's got coconut in it (laughs) your taste buds begin to work and your saliva begins to flow even before you taste it my heart was touched at Friday, and I looked across the congregation. And some of that congregation I had met on the other side of the bars in the in Teloga jail. But something gripped my heart called compassion. And I, and I thought, Lord, these are your people. And you said as in as much as you've done it to the least of these, we've done it to you. And I'm so glad that you've allowed me to be a part of a church family like Elm Grove. That they don't don't just roll out the red carpet for, for special people. In fact, they're, we're rolling out the carpet today for special people whose skin isn't doesn't look like ours. They don't usually live in places like we live. But I'm so glad that I've got a family that knows how to love and have compassion. And when I hugged that family yesterday. Friday, there was just something went through me that I needed to be refreshed, and I needed a lesson that God had for me because here's what I see in the Bible. Every time the Lord looked out upon his congregation, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Let me ask you this. Do you see a lot of compassion on Fox News today? Let me tell you what happens in the lazy... boat boy cheer when I said about 10 o'clock 1030 and I watched part of Hannity I lose my compassion for all politicians let me take my uh, let me take my uh, confession one step further you won't believe this coming from your pastor but I've been caught talking to that TV screen I know you won't believe this I I know you won't believe this, and I'm married to the greatest lady on earth, but once or twice she said, I'm sure they're hearing every word you say. (laughs) You know what? We're all people. The Bible says one day God picked up a handful of dirt, and he breathed into it, and you and I became human souls, human lives. Inside of us, he put some intricate parts. On our on, what sets behind our on on our shoulders today is our mind, will, and our emotions. And the day I met Jesus and he became Lord of my life, he lifted the load of sin and he gave me uh, his spirit, which we call the Holy Spirit. But my mind, will, and emotion didn't get saved. It's got to be trained. And the only way that I can train that is feed it on good stuff because I can tell you not every place you go and not everything we do feeds mind, will, and emotion on good things. But this will feed you on the greatest menu that you can ever eat. It will be a light to your pathway. It'll be the element of food that you need to carry through the storms. It'll be the strength. Isaiah forty thirty one says, It'll be the strength in the midst of the storm that will cause you to mount up with wings as eagles. You can run and not be weary, and you can walk and not faint. Verse 5 says, They looked upon the Lord, and they were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Let's talk about shame for a moment. Let's include Adam and Eve in this conversation this morning. God puts them in the most perfect place in all the world called the Garden of Eden. And he said, you can taste of everything here. Everything's good. There's only one stipulation. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you do, you're going to die. And they disobeyed. We know the story. They disobeyed. They tasted the tree once the Lord turned his back. And the next day, or that day, after they had did what God told them not to do, they ate of that tree. And their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they picked up fig leaves and they somehow put them together they sewed them together somehow they laced vines or something to make themselves a garment and God shows up the next day and they're not where they usually sit on the brookside, watching the waters as it flows through the garden in fact God looks around he can't see Adam and even so he says Adam where are you Adam in a shameful way. He says, here we are, Lord. And God says, what's going on? He said, well, we ate of the tree you told us not to eat of. And we were naked. And so we sewed these fig leaves together and made ourselves clothing. Let me ask you today, as Christians, as pastors, as elders in the church, what happens in our life when we have it done what the Lord requires us to do what happens in our li- in our wi- in our marriages when we do things that doesn't bring joy to our spouse We may not hear God walking in the garden in the adob- in the cool of the day, but the voice of God never sleeps and never slumbers. And I'm so glad that even when I made, made bad decisions and said wrong things, that God never put me to shame. He's always said, where are you? And my spirit, knowing that his spirit is connected to mine, I am shameful when I say these words, Lord, forgive me. I struck out today. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, we've all struck out. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nobody perfect. The only body that could do it absolutely perfect was Jesus Christ. And we find him dying between two thieves, crucified by a religious group. But the Bible gives us a good side of that death. Without his shedding of blood, there'd be no way that my sins could be washed away. Moving on. Verse 6, the poor man, there, there's no respecter person. God has no grandkids. We're just all kids. He even calls us sheep of the pasture. And, you know, I, I hate to say this, but sheep are the dumbest animal in the world. And Jesus calls us sheep, not because we're stupid or ignorant, but every group of sheep need a shepherd. And he said, my sheep know my voice. I, I I did some study a while back or quite a while back about sheep and how that the shepherd gathers his group together and they, they follow this shepherd because they learn to know his voice. And they know that they can trust the shepherd because he's with them. He's out in the pasture. And years ago, the shepherds would... would their separate ways they had certain areas of of the country where they would take their 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 lambs and their sheep and they would take them all through the winter and they would make sure they had plenty to eat but in the springtime they would meet in the valley and every shepherd knew that there would be a day a family reunion where all the shepherds could get together and they would share their stories and the sheep would intermix they would mingle and and thousands of sheep would would be all mixed up in this pen and I, i you know in my mind i I can remember the days we herded cattle, and and we always knew when we had to stray, you know. The neighbor didn't, but his bull would always show up. His was a white face. Ours was black. And my my father-in-law knew another language that I couldn't speak, and he used words that I couldn't speak. And I can still hear him calling because our bull had got over in the white-faced herd and and did great damage. They'd had some black, white-faced cattle. Well, my father-in-law lived for the day. He could tell them, your white-faced bull is in my corral. Well, that day came, and my father-in-law was so relieved. Great man! I'm not telling you this because to put him down, if he had had not been a good man, let me just tell you how good he was. He only had one daughter, and I got her, and he'd ever kill me. You probably thought about it a few times. Back to the story of the sheep. Thousands of sheep would gather in the valley while the herdsmen shared their stories. And toward afternoon, every shepherd had his signal. And some some shepherds could whistle. They'd put their fingers toward their mouth, and they'd loud out a shrill voice, and they'd never look back. They'd start off to, in their direction where they, they were going to take their sheep just in the springtime and the summer. And no matter how scattered the sheep were, they would know that's the shrill of that whistle and the, the, the shepherd never had to look back. He would whistle several times, and he would keep walking. Had he have turned back, every, every sheep that had been trained to hear his voice would be behind him because they knew the shepherd's voice. Others didn't whistle. They had a, had a way, a signal, and they had signals since the, the sheep were lambs, and they grew up to know their shepherd, and, and he'd give the call, and he'd go another direction. He never had to look back because the sheep knew his call. And David, growing up in this attitude, and 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 then he pins the 23rd Psalm so carefully when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, thou shalt not want. And the shepherd's responsibility was not only to feed the sheep or make sure they had enough to eat, but it was protection. And sheep knew the shepherd's voice because he had been so good to them. The this, this Scripture says, From David the poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him. David, in his heart, though he had rose to be king, still knew th- that he had a shepherd. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. David knew that even though that he 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 may have one day reigned as a king, that he, God heard the, the voice of the poor as well as he did those that were rich and famous. The poor man cried out. The Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. How many? All of them. And the poor man was me before I accepted Jesus. Let me tell you about my father today. He owns cattle on a thousand hills. He's not slack concerning any of his promises. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Verse 7 says, the angel of the Lord encamps around about all who fear him and he delivers them. Aren't you glad he's that kind of a shepherd? And then he says, yeah, I can tell you all this, but you'll never know how good the shepherd is until you've tasted and seen. I'd like to fast forward. Time is running out. I'd like to fast forward to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15. And, again, I'd like to allow you to keep your focus on tasting of the goodness of God. Jeremiah is a weeping prophet. There's a book that's named after him. His prophecy is 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 called to his youth, from his youth up. He's known as a weeping prophet. Jeremiah labors more than forty years proclaiming the message of gloom to a stiff necked people in Judah, despised and persecuted by his countrymen, going to jail because of his ministry of God's word. His heart it breaks, and he causes jeremiah to write from a broken heart which is difficult to arrange the uh, the topology and all of the things that he's put together but through it all the key words at jeremiah's last hour that he lived is god is seen as patient as holy jeremiah says he delays judgment and he appeals to his people to repent before it's too late and as the object lesson he brings us to the potter's house and demonstrates a ruined vessel And while still in the stages of repairing, God picks up the pieces, and he puts them on the potter's wheel, and he makes it into a vessel, and that vessel is you and me. And God has did that for me. I know if he's done it for me, he'll do it for anybody. See, in the midst of my suffering, my sorrows, I always came up, I always know to turn to God's word. I seize upon them in desperation many times, and and some many times. They're just a need even in pastoral duties you know we all we all go through a situation we all go things in our through things in our vocation we all have families and we want our families to do well and because our families are a reflection of us and we do our best to train and there's times when you know we're, we're just especially when we have kids out there on the court playing basketball and they keep hitting those three pointers I'm telling you we're on our feet yeah I'll go get them Leroy and then there's nights Leroy just can't hit the side of a blue bar well we're not on our feet that night we changed from Leroy to the team because God always has somebody on the team that's hitting those three pointers and the team goes on and even though Leroy is is not doing like he should the team's going on and then they win and we're all on our feet and we're shouting yeah boy we did it you pulled it off one more time And the story, the moral of the story is it doesn't always depend on Leroy. It's sometimes the words of the coach. He says, I see some things we're doing. Let's do some correction, and we're here to win. And what a joy it is to see those young people as they listen to the one who knows the game well, who knows how to do some correction along the way and keep them in the line so that they can win. And that's exactly what the Lord does for us as a church today. We all need correction. i received my share of correction, and I will till the day that I draw my last breath. But aren't you glad that God never puts us to shame? He's always there to put his arms around us. And here's what he says. I care for you. I love you. I'm not disappointed in you. I want to help you. Would you bow your head? Father, today... I just sent your presence in an awesome way. I thank you, Lord, that you always put your blessings on these these lips of clay today because I, in my own ability, I'm not capable or worthy of standing behind this pulpit this morning. But you qualified me when you called me and you said you'd be a stronghold in the day of trouble. And when I didn't know what to say or do, you said you'd be there to strengthen me and you've kept your word. Your word has never returned void. I just pray this morning that something has been said or done today that will encourage those in this congregation. And if there's anyone here that's never included you as their best friend, Lord, don't let us pass up an opportunity to tell them not only is the goodness of God available, but you're here this morning knocking upon their heart's door. And if you say in your word, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. We're going to close in this prayer this morning. But before we close in prayer, as every head is bowed, nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and Jesus is not Lord of your life, you know today that you need him to make some corrections in your life. It doesn't make you a bad person. We've all said in that area before Jesus came into our life, and many times we still need the correction of the Holy Spirit. But if you're here this morning, Jesus is not Lord of your life. But you know you need to allow him to reach in and take away the sinful nature. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe, it's, maybe maybe it just hurts that you just can't get over. Maybe it's something that you've tried and failed. But today, you know you're, you need Jesus as your best friend because he's a present help in time of need. While every head is bowed, can I ask you, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your best friend, would you raise your head and look directly at me till I make contact with you? I'm gonna sweep the crowd beginning on my left on the west side, and I'm gonna sweep this crowd going to the center section and to the east section today. Then I assume we're all Christians this morning. I wanna have a bened- wanna close with a message in prayer church Give coming before we have the benediction today. Beating, but I'm gonna close Jesus my say, part of the service by saying, Jesus Lord Jesus. Say, Thank you for allowing me to represent you this morning before this great family of God. Lord, they not only talk the talk, they walk the walk. I thank you for the way they loved people this week when these people's heart was broken. I thank you you gave us words of wisdom when you touched these lips of clay with something to say that would bring hope and courage to the family who had lost their son. And, Lord, today as we leave this building, don't let us leave here like we came, but let us leave with encouragement. Let us leave here with the strength of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to walk out these doors of your house today and say, with your help, I'm going to face some things, and with your help, I'm going to make it through some situations that have been plaguing my life. Father, I just give you praise and honor and glory for the goodness of God and the things you've done for me. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be called a part of your family. Lord, we just give all the praise to you today. And the reason we can is because we've tasted and we've seen the goodness of God. For these things we give all the praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.